Mac Power Users, episode 676, Workflows with Caitlin Sowski. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hi, Stephen. How are you today? I am good, David. Had a, I had a nice long weekend. Kids were out of school. We went hiking. And uh, now I'm here with you. Yeah. And we got new Macs today. Well, as we record it today. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch of announcements uh, out of Apple today on the uh, MacBook Pro and Mac Mini front. So that's always a fun way to start the day. Yeah, exactly. In fact, we're going to talk about that in more power users today, but uh, that'll be fun. But be, I want to introduce our guest. Welcome to the show, Caitlin Salsky. Thanks very much for having me. Caitlin is a uh, an omnifocus wizard. Um, we talked to her in the Max Sparky Labs, and she's got a, a great website over at Caitlin Salsky, K-A-I-T-L-I-N-S-A-L-Z-K-E.com, where she writes about automation and other nerdy things. But uh, I think the reason, Caitlin, um, you you uh, warmed the cockles of my heart is because you are a professional. You're you're an accountant, but you're also a nerd, and you're you're walking the line just like I did for so many years of of doing the day job, but also putting out great content on the internet. And I just I just love what you're doing. Thank you very much. I um I don't consider myself a, a content creator at all. It's uh, more just a very and if you look at the regularity with which I post on my site, you will uh, very much pick that up. But um I do like to share what I uh, come across and and as you said, I've had a lot of fun with the OmniFocus stuff over the last couple of years. So um yeah, it's lots of fun. Yeah, well, you're making great stuff, and the posts you put up are always worth reading. But uh, but tell us a little bit about you, Caitlin. I guess that's an all-encompassing question, isn't it? <laughs> it's a hard one to answer. <laughs> so I'm, uh, as you said, I'm an accountant by trade. Um, I'm actually working as the chief financial officer in our local government um, area over here in a small town in in regional New South Wales in Australia. Um, I have a two-year-old who I've been wrangling all morning. So I was just saying to um, you guys just before we started recording, I hadn't hadn't heard that uh, announcement about the the new Macs yet. So that's very exciting. And as well as that, when I'm not doing those things, I'm studying a Bachelor of Computer Science as well, um, just on the side for something fun to do in all that spare time that I have. Yeah, because being a CFO <laughs> and a mom is, you know, so not boring enough. that you just went ahead and added a computer science degree to it. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, uh, well, I mean, that you're a very impressive woman, Caitlin, and uh, the stuff you're doing is great. Um uh, as you said, you do a lot of OmniFocus stuff, uh, and you cover it on your website. Uh, uh, one of the things you've done that that I think is great is you've you've made some plugins for OmniFocus. And for folks who've been um, uh, not paying attention to the OmniFocus thing lately, when Sal Segoyan left Apple, the Omni Group kind of snapped him up, and uh, th- he has been working with them extensively as they've developed this Omni form of JavaScript where that you can write custom automations for their applications. I mean, they've done it for Omni Outliner and Omni Focus and Omni Gravel. And um, so in essence, people like Caitlin and Sal are making new features for the app by writing scripts. And if you don't like what the app does, you can hopefully uh, write it yourself or get someone to help you write it. And you can add these features. I mean, I think Sal's published over a hundred at this point. Um, But it's a really kind of fun community as you see a, a task manager 
kind of develop all these custom features. But but Caitlin is one of the big contributors there. And um, and just tell us a little bit, Caitlin, how did you get involved with that? Gradually and accidentally. <laughs> um, so sure. I've been using I've been using OmniFocus for a, a really long time. I think I when I uh, looked back, I think I started about 2014 or something like that. Um, so I've used it uh, through all sorts of different, um, I guess, seasons of my my life through study and travel and, and all sorts of different things. Um, and what really prompted me to get started was uh, I had a specific feature that I wanted OmniFocus to have that it didn't have. And I had a little bit of uh, JavaScript knowledge, not a lot at all. Um, and I happened to be away. Um, I had a year overseas um, at the time and, and you know, there's only so many cathedrals and castles you can go exploring. So in, in my downtime, I started building an OmniFocus plugin to um, add, uh, I guess, task dependency to OmniFocus. And I put it online and um, got some really good feedback and, and then I kept thinking of more and more things that I wanted to be able to do. So I kept building them and just kind of never stopped, really. Yeah. I love that because I mean it was like a kind of a hobby and it was yeah. a fun project and it got kind of legs of its own. And we're going to get into that deeply later about some of the stuff you've done. But before we do that, every Mac Power user needs to know, you know, what kind of gear is this person using? What 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 kind of Mac are you driving? I feel a bit guilty because I've I've been listening to Mac Power users for a long time and 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 I always always listen and I'm always a little bit or always have historically been a little bit envious of all, all the guests who have the the newest, latest um, gear because I, I've been running on really outdated old stuff for a really long time. But I feel a bit guilty because I, most of it's been updated recently in the last couple of years, so I'm no longer doing that. Um, so at the moment I'm running, uh, I've got a 13-inch um, M1 MacBook Air, um, which I got uh, just over a, nearly a year and a half ago now, I guess. Um, which I love, um, and is a substantial upgrade to what I had before. So my my previous Mac was a, a twenty late twenty twelve iMac, um, which was I got in two thousand fourteen. So um, uh, that really uh, lasted me a long time. Um, I was ready to replace it back in twenty nineteen when I when I got back from overseas, and and I think it was actually a Mac Power users tip from from the podcast or the forums. I don't remember, um, but someone suggested. Um, running a, an external um, solid-state drive um, with the operating system on that rather than running it on the internal storage, and that got me another cu- good couple of years out of it. So That sounds like something Stephen would say. That's probably, <laughs> probably Stephen. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so thank you, Stephen, or, or whoever uh, gave me that tip. You saved me a couple of years. Um, but in the end, it got to a point where um, I don't think I could upgrade it past high Sierra from memory. Um, and... And well, I mean, OmniFocus four is is not going to run on higher Sierra, so that really was the the um, <laughs> the deciding factor for me. But that but that computer didn't reach end of life for you, right? No, no, it didn't. So I had it I had it sitting on my desk for a long time. Um, and if I was less of a cheapskate, I probably would have bought something like a, a Mac Mini. But instead, since I had this lying around, I was running um, I was running Home Assistant on it in the background. Um, with a few few little home automation um, kind of things, which was lots of fun to tinker with. Um, and I had it running, you know, Hazel rules and keyboard maestro macros and stuff in the background. So um, I guess I guess the, the thing I'd say from that is that um, you don't need to necessarily have the latest and greatest to be doing some of these mm-hmm. um, some of these things. It yeah. can be an old, an old um, snail's pace sort of 
2012 <laughs> iMac sitting on a desk um, uncomfortably somewhere. I haven't actually got it set up at the moment because we moved and I just don't, we don't have a, a dedicated office. So it was look, looking a bit ugly um, sitting on the desk and it's, uh, yeah. it's it's in a cupboard at the moment. But it's a, it's a little bit harder to stash an iMac somewhere than like a Mac mini, you know, <laughs> running this stuff. Like a Mac mini you could put in a closet or mine is under my TV, but you have an iMac just like, hey, there's an iMac in this room, right? Kind of, kind of demands attention. Well, it kind of sat behind the screen. I had, I had, I had my um my regular monitor screen, and 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 that was the same size. So it kind of sat behind that on my desk. So it wasn't too bad. And then I just used um what I used to access it. I use I think I used Jump Desktop actually, um just to remote into it from the one in front. Um, so that you didn't have to sure. <laughs> move around and and rather than having a whole separate keyboard and mouse and everything set up, I um I did it that way, and and that worked. Okay, it's not necessarily the setup I'd recommend someone go out and purchase, but if that's what you've got lying around, it it, it did work. Yeah, but for checking Hazel rules and running Home Assistant, mm. it's going to be fine. I mean, yeah, exactly. Those aren't graphics heavy apps. Stephen, have you like gone down the Home Assistant rabbit hole yet? Not yet. It's it's kind uh, of floating out there, you know. Oh man, in my that's task a whole manager that conversation. Date. I am uh, I am so far down. I you, <laughs> when, because I have tinnitus. The whenever I leave the refrigerator door open, um, I don't know because the little the little alarm is the exact frequency that I can't hear. Hang on, you can see the refrigerator door though. Yeah, but I really can't if I'm in the next room. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, okay, you, so you left it open yeah. and you walked away. Like okay, yeah. Well, I well, it's the way it is. If you close it, sometimes it doesn't close all the way, got so it. it's like open like an inch. But the um. But now I've got home assistant. It like waits several minutes and then it like turns the lights in my studio red. It's like I've got a whole system now. So my <laughs> wife doesn't get mad at me for leaving the refrigerator door open. But home assistant does stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Anyway, that's a rabbit hole. We'll put a <laughs> pin in that one. Yeah, you said you have an extra screen. So do you use your laptop as a as a desktop as well? Um, yeah, I do. So I, I, I really, I really liked the iMac, um, form factor and that worked really well for me. Um, but then I had a small human that runs around the house and, um, I found that having something that I can drag around with me is, uh, works a little better (laughs) these days. Um, and it's easier to travel with and it's, it's, it's a bit easier to, you know, lounge around on the couch or whatever. Um, that's the thing with kids, right? When they first start walking, you're like, Hooray, they're walking. And then like two months later, you're like, oh no, they're walking. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they're running. Yeah. <laughs> what about on the mobile front? Uh mobile front, I've got a an iPhone 14 Pro, um, one of the purple ones, um, which which I really enjoy. Um, that's another another space where I I want a very slow upgrade cycle there as well. Um we did have a couple of upgrades um in quick succession. We do the I think the the typical Mac Power users thing where you sort of hand off to the partner and you get the upgrade every couple of years. Um, so we, I've um, upgraded the last couple of years because um, I've gone through, I literally went from an iPhone 4 to a 7 to a 12 and now to a 14. So um, it's been, we got to a point, again, uh, the small human being, the the impetus for the the change in that we wanted we wanted better cameras really um, because that's what we're using to take photos every day. And, and my partner in particular, he didn't have enough storage space. So we had live photos turned off, which I think live photos are absolutely amazing. Especially with kids. Yeah. yeah with kids. I said, no, nah, we've got to upgrade cause I want those on. <laughs> yeah. I want those on. So um, we, we did that recently. Um, and I also have a, 
a separate uh, work phone um, and I asked for an iPhone there, of course, as well. Um, and so that's an iPhone 11, I think they got me, um, but that, that works just fine. It's um, not using it for photos or anything like that. Yeah, if anybody listening has small children in their life, you know, children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, those live photos, because those kids are so cute, like in those little, you know, three, four second videos, it's, you know, I, I hear I hear from listeners who are like, live photos is dumb, it uses too much space. I'm like, you don't have any kids in your life, because if you did, you'd know they are amazing for that. Yeah, they're fabulous. They're um, they're so fun to look back on. And I, I just recently learnt um, somewhere too that you can actually turn them into if you've got a whole series of live photos in a row, which you know I wouldn't be guilty of taking three hundred photos within the space of twenty seconds at all. Um, but just hypothetically, if I were, um, that you can actually combine those into a video, I believe, in the the Photos app, which I haven't played around with, but um, I have to experiment with that as well um, because it's that thing of oh, I took a bunch of photos, but I really wish I'd got that in a, in a little movie to, to play with as well. So do you know how to do that? I, that's news to me too. I didn't know that was possible. Uh, maybe, I might've misread it because I haven't, I haven't actually played with it, but I, I, I think there is uh, a feature in, I think it's just in the menu in the photos app. Someone was talking about, um, because they were saying it was, it was visible. I think it was my, maybe in the Mac power users forums, actually. Um, they were saying it was visible sometimes, but not always. Um, okay. and we're trying to work out what the parameters were. So I was, I was intending to go and play with that. So I'm sorry if I've just lied to everyone and it's not actually a feature that exists, but, uh, we'll follow up on it. And we will have a, we have a feedback show every two or three months. So we'll, we'll explain. We'll, Someone we'll will correct me if I'm wrong. Out. I'm sure. Yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Great. I'll, I'll wait for you to do that groundwork and then I'll, uh, then I'll go in and, and dig into it then. That'll save me some time. Thanks guys. <laughs> uh, the other thing I was thinking, Caitlin, is we booked this quite a while ago, you coming on the show and it seems to me like You've got a lot of new gear recently. Is this because you're coming on the show? Is that is that why you bought all the new stuff? <laughs> no, I wish that's a good would have been a good excuse. No, I mean I bought the 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 M1. I actually bought in um, August 2020, and the the iPhone I've had. I got it when it came out, so it feels newish, um, but it's not it's not it's not brand new. It's um just new to me for someone that doesn't upgrade for you know seven years at a time. <laughs> How about Sometimes. the iPad? Are you on the iPad? I I have an iPad, um, and it's it's an it's an older one. It's a it's a twelve point nine inch um, iPad Pro, and I think it was the second generation. Um, it's sort of, uh, and this is a bit shameful to admit on on this podcast, but it's it's sort of sitting a bit dusty on a shelf at the moment. Um, I had it when I first got it. I used it all the time, um, mostly for you know, really. Uh, wasting time um <laughs> watching netflix and things like that um but it um and, and and when i was overseas i was using it basically as my um primary computing device i had an, an old macbook air uh, 2011 macbook air i think it was um, but that was quite quite slow and so i, I used the i'm the ipad for most of the stuff i was doing over there uh but really these days i, I really just use it for um, a couple of things. Um, I'm a flute player. Um, so I've been using it for, uh, sheet music on four score, which I know I've heard you mention in the past, um, David, which is just, just wonderful. Um, I'm not actually doing that much, um, music since I've moved and, and again, the, there's a few other demands on my time at the moment, sure, um, but that's, sure. but that's, but that's a really, a really great app that, um, I use all the time. Um, and, and we pull it out when my partner's kids come and visit and we, and we play sketch party on the, on the Apple TV, um, which is, um, 
a good use, but you know, that's, that's really all it's getting used for at the moment. So I need, I need to, um, I think, see what else I'm thinking about using it, maybe taking it into work so I can, I can make better use of OmniFocus there or something like that. But I, I need to spend some time figuring out how that fits in. Yeah, there's a that's a real use for you. I I've talked on this show about how I've turned my 12.9 into like a status board on my desk, and that's working with a Mac. But if you were working with a PC, it would almost be even better for you know some of your Mac software like OmniFocus to be able to have it there with that iPad, especially if it's just gathering desk. Why not? Uh, one of the tricks of that is that you just leave the screen on. Mm. Um, you don't have it turn off automatically, but you just have to remember to push the button when you leave the desk. But the, uh, yeah, you, you should definitely play with that. And then uh, for sheet music, what is your app of choice for that? Uh, I'm using, I was using Fourscore. I don't know if there are any other apps, to be honest. I mean, yeah. it's such a... It's well, such I mean, a... you could technically use any PDF app, but Fourscore True. is like the app for it. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, to managing page turns and things. I know my, my partner's actually... Uh, professional musician and a, a music teacher and and he um uh, when I first started he's like oh yeah but how are you going to manage the page turns and things and it, it's funny in the in the end as long as everything goes smoothly it, it typically works better than a, an actual physical page turn because you can put it you can do half turns and you can do all sorts of things if you really want to be a proper Mac power user you could probably get a, a pedal and, and change it that way but it's not not really necessary with a with a flute because you yeah. usually get a break to breathe somewhere anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and those, to... <laughs> but those those bluetooth pedals are w- super cheap now i mean they used yeah. to be quite expensive but now i think you can get them for like 30 or 40 dollars to stick under the piano or like yeah. for as a saxophone player the 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 pedal is actually really nice because it's actually it's a lot more work to turn a page when you're playing with your fingers on the horn but um anyway I think that's a rabbit hole that almost nobody <laughs> listening cares about. <laughs> <laughs> Steven's just groaning. No, it's fine. And those that do probably already know that four, four score is the way to go anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything else in the uh, the hardware category? What about the uh, the Apple Watch? Where does that fit in? Um, I've got an Apple Watch. Uh, I got it uh, a few years ago. I got really into uh, into running, which is uh, something that is entirely unexpected for me, um, as a, as a lifelong, uh, nerd and person who is averse to any kind of exercise whatsoever. Um, but I actually think it's a really good hobby, a really good exercise for, for nerds. If you haven't tried it, I'd highly recommend it. Um, I say that completely, um, hypocritically because I haven't run for since I had my son. Um, but there's so many stats you can track and apps you can use. It's, it's a really good, uh, a good way to uh, trick yourself into exercising, I think. And, and so I, I, I got it sort of as a, a bit of a reward to myself when I got to a certain point with that. I can't remember even what the, the target was, but um, I got that and I used it to, you know, have live stats and, and, and tracking and all of that kind of thing um, through Smash Run, which is a really good um, web service that, that just just does running stats, which is, I can't believe I'm even ending up there. But um, the the way I got into it actually was um, there's an app. I don't know if you guys have, have come across it at all, but it's called Zombies Run. Yeah, and again, I'm familiar. <laughs> right up the 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 nerd kind of um, alley, and it's 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 like a, a I guess a an audio story, um, and basically the premise is that uh, it's a zombie apocalypse, and you you're a, a runner for this township. Um, that's survived this apocalypse and, and you, um, 
have to run out and get supplies and not get attacked by zombies. And at, at random random intervals, at uh, the zom- you get chased by zombies and you have to speed up or they'll catch you kind of thing. It, it sounds completely ridiculous and it kind of is, but it's uh, it's a good good kind of ridiculous, I think. And um, and they have a, a sort of a couch to k couch to five k kind of uh, app as well, which is is how I got started. And um, it, it, it's lots of fun. I'd, I'd recommend you give it a shot if it's something that. Um, is- it's interesting to you. <laughs> you also had a, a pro tip for the Apple Watch with babies, right? Oh, I did, yeah. And and again, I, I feel like I'm just repeating all the good tips I've heard from from elsewhere on MPU. But um, um, this is a bit of a time-limited one. Um, but for a certain amount of time, until they work it out, if you put your Apple Watch in water mode, uh, your baby can tap on it t- to their heart's content and they won't accidentally send messages or, you know, call emergency services or, or do any of those fun things. Um, they can tap away and, and you can still know what the time is happily without uh, having that interference because they do, they're attracted to the shiny gadgets uh, yeah. quite badly. Um, but I found that was one tip that I, I picked up from from someone someone in the community, I'm sure, um, that was was quite helpful and it still sometimes works although he's he's mostly worked out how to uh disable that at this point which is a bit sad <laughs> yeah there's also some nice accessibility features where you can lock the the devices into one app so like if there is like a child a child's app because they you know the first thing they figure out is how to you know get to springboard is, right <laughs> but you enable that accessibility mode and you turn it on and then they're stuck in the app yeah, and, guided um, access is a. If you have a kid and you don't know about guided access, you need to find out about it. Even just for FaceTiming, I found that like trying to FaceTime family and friends because we live live away from from most of them, um, and they just want to poke at the screen. And there's a big red button on it that's the hang up button, and that's the one that he wants to press all the time. So mm-hmm. I've actually set up I set up a focus mode because I found it quite difficult. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I found it quite difficult to actually do the triple tap gesture to it's like the the button to to get into guided access mode when I'm in a FaceTime call I always end up just turning the screen off so I actually yeah. just set up I set up a, a focus mode so that whenever I change into that focus mode it just automatically enables guided access and so that seems to have worked around that that problem and also puts my um watch into <laughs> into water mode as well um so that seems to have worked around that problem reasonably well but yeah no guided access is uh is great that's really ingenious. I, I I find triple tapping sometimes hard too. It's like you have to get the rhythm right, or you're mm. right. It just turns the screen off. But and when you're trying to talk to someone and the screen keeps going off, it just does. It's it's the worst time to be trying to work it out. The other yeah. option that I've also experimented with is an old uh, iPhone 6s that we, my partner had lying around, just leaving that as a dedicated um, device that doesn't have anything on it that he can he can break. So that's the other solution. But it still has. Still has messages, and I I still live in perpetual fear of him calling, you know, triple zero or yeah, emergency services. Emergency services. It's like he like pushes the one button to like dial in the satellite, and a helicopter comes to your house. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to explain that, uh, especially as you as you uh, work in government. It's like, oh, sorry, y'all. <laughs> This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. I just recently paid my renewal on Text Expander, and man, do I love this application. We all spend time behind a keyboard, and we frequently find ourselves typing the same thing more than once. And you know that nagging feeling when you do that? You're like, I did this before. Why am I doing this again? Well, Text Expander solves that problem for you. It's the text expansion tool for Mac Power Users because it's got a bunch of power features in it. 
Text Expander doesn't just do text replacement. It also does things like enter the current date and time or enter AppleScript code or hit special characters like the tab key or the return key. It also has a great fill-in feature. That fill-in feature saves my life so many times. I do a lot of customer support. A lot of the customer support email I do, I've automated with text expander snippets and it automatically fills in the name with an Apple script. And then if there's a special issue, I can handle it with a fill in field. I mean, I've tried hiring people to do some of this stuff for me. And it's frankly faster for me to just handle it with text expander. When I was a lawyer, I had to write a lot of interrogatories, which are just fancy legal questions, but you have to get the text exactly right. Well, Text Expander solved that for me, and I always got it exactly right because automation not only makes you faster, it also makes you more accurate. People ask me how to get started with automation, and I always answer Text Expander because we all do typing, and automating that can save you time right now. And with Text Expander, you know how much time you're saving because they send you reports that show you how much time you saved by using Text Expander snippets. And every year, I save days of my life just having Text Expander handle typing for me. You should really try this app out. Go to textexpander.com slash MPU and you can sign up and get 20% off your first year. They've got versions for Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, iPad, so you're covered all the way across. That link one more time, textexpander.com slash MPU. Go check it out. Let them know you heard about it from us and get 20% off. And thanks, Text Expander, for all of your support of the Mac Power users. Okay, so we want to get to uh, OmniFocus and its plugin system. I'm not an active OmniFocus user. I keep up with it through David and through the show and uh, have followed with great interest as they go through this uh, this period of time with the, the JavaScript automation, everything they're doing. Um, and I kind of want to start kind of with the basics of, of how this JavaScript automation uh, interacts with the app and the data and, and what all is possible with that? Um, so the answer is pretty much anything is possible. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, running running automations, running plugins, um, there's a whole bunch of ways to trigger them. So you can use keyboard shortcuts. You can use, um, on the Mac, you can use toolbar, the like toolbar act, uh, icons and click those and have an action run. There's menus. You can run them externally, so you can you can trigger them with Keyboard Maestro or Hazel or shortcuts or all sorts or of things. Or Alfred, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. A- anything really. I mean, you can you can run a you can run an OmniFocus automation with an Apple script. So that should probably be enough for for anyone listening to to get the sense that you could pretty much hook it into anything. And I guess I guess the only thing that the the only kind of limitation that I've really hit up against reasonably frequently is that at the moment at least, and um, I, I live in hope um, that that this will change one day. And and, and I know I've put this request <laughs> to to Ken and the Omni Group a couple of times um, is that you can't automatically trigger a, a plugin um, based on say the completion of a task or something like that at the moment. So you have to uh, work around that. But that's that's really the only, um, I guess, limitation that I've really hit up against with any kind of consistency. Uh, and there's ways to work around it. So Yeah, and the problem with that is if the plugin isn't necessarily malicious but ill-written and it, it works on task completion, you could literally check off a task and it would just go through and delete your library or something. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a, when you give it that kind of automation, you've really 
a mistake can do a lot of damage. It's like making an Alfred rule where you change the and to an or, <laughs> and then suddenly you've deleted like a, a thousand files. Not that I've yeah. ever done that, but I mean, you know, I mean, like I, that. yeah, I guess, I guess the counter to that would be, I mean, you could any, any plugin you run yeah. could do that. Um, yeah, but I did, I did see, I did see on the OmniFocus forums recently, someone was asking about this and, and, and Ken as, as, Per usual, in in typical Omni Group form, had uh, replied with a very considered and, and detailed response of you know well he, here are, here are some of the considerations about about why that might be difficult and what we would need to think about and um, you know what happens if you if you complete it on the Apple Watch which can't run information or what happens if you know your database gets out of sync or you know all all of these kinds of things yeah. so there's a lot of I understand why it's not there um, but it's the, it's the only thing that I've sort of hit across hit, hit against that that people sometimes expect to be there that. that isn't and and as I said, there's there's ways to work around it. I just I just have a one of my plugins is just a custom complete plugin that I just have assigned to a keyboard shortcut. So anytime I'm completing a task on my Mac, I just hit that keyboard shortcut now, and and it basically acts that way. The system kind of reminds me of the um, old. I don't know if you ever used Word Basic, but Microsoft used to have a basic programming language for Microsoft Word, where it gave you access to most of the system controls. And so if you wanted Word to do a special thing, like I used to use it when I write a contract and then go up and then set these headings and then go ask me for details of fill-in form and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it's like that, but for a task manager. So mm-hmm. it really does give the sky's the limit, really, with this stuff. It does do all all, all sorts of things, you know, from from manipulating tasks to moving tasks to changing tags to changing the way your windows are set up to opening new windows like it can do it can you can call out to apis on the internet it can do pretty well anything they've, they've done a fabulous job that's the first time anyone has said word basic out loud in 20 years i'm pretty <laughs> sure um <laughs> probably right <laughs> i'm sitting here listening it really it gives me shortcuts vibes you know sometimes when you're working in shortcuts you have something you want to do and it's like the one trigger or the one bit of automation you really need or want for your workflow is missing. And like there's a whole ecosystem of people like hacking around the edges of shortcuts to make it uh, make it do things that are not there from day one. But the obvious difference is, is that the Omni Group is uh, much more responsive <laughs> to its customers <laughs> and can move much more quickly than the shortcuts team can with it can within apple and as again from the outside it seems like this is something they're taking very seriously and continue to work on and improve at a pretty good clip yeah and and this is different from shortcuts in some ways like i'd say that it is not as user-friendly as shortcuts shortcuts is like an a stackable action it's real right. clear you know and there still are omnifocus shortcuts actions but this is a little bit more programmy, right? Because you're doing JavaScript, but it gives you access to any, just about anything the app does. So it really is like creating your own shortcuts actions, which because you can fire these off with Apple Script, like there's, there's a bunch of ways to to make this happen via shortcuts. So um, like you could actually just run the JavaScript in shortcuts too. So I mean, it's it's really pretty cool if, if you're a task manager nerd and you want to you know, make your app, you know, work the way you work. This is something you should probably look at. And I, I guess the, the other thing that I, I'd say is um, I think in, in kind of listening to people talk about this in, you know, on various podcasts and, and things like that and just in the forums, I think 
people are a little bit scared of omni automation um, because, and, and I think even, even we just now have started this conversation by talking about JavaScript, but, but really if you actually want to use it, um, you don't need to know JavaScript at all. You just need to find, um, much like you would with shortcuts or a keyboard maestro macro or, or anything like that, um, you just need to find someone who's already done what you want to do and install it and 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 go from there. Basically, it, it's 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 not it doesn't require a lot of technical knowledge to to or any technical knowledge really to 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 run or use them to build them does yeah sure but making use of them absolutely not it's it's not a oh I need to dedicate a week to learning how to use omni automation like you know give yourself an hour and and dig around and see what you can find and 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 play around with it. It's, it's not, not as scary as I think, I think it seems to to a lot of people. Yeah. And you know, this is where you just use other people's work. Like I, I went to Sal's website. I I'm looking right now, the 15 or so I've got 12 of them are wholeheartedly taken from Sal Sagoyan, you know, and then like (laughs) one is from Caitlin. Then there's like two or three more that I either wrote myself or I took somebody's and I modified it. But most of them, I didn't even modify them because you know, they did the thing I want. Like I wanted one that would take everything that um, was on a deferred list and just make the defer date today. And I asked Sal about it. And like the next day he sent me the script and then put it on his website. So like I didn't modify that. I just installed it and started using it. And that's, that's basically what I'm doing with most of these. Hmm. But how hard is this? I mean, if somebody does, you know, there's some pro we have some very smart listeners who are programmers or are programming adjacent. Um, how hard is this to get into? Um, it's, it's not, well, it's, it's not as easy. I think as you, as you already alluded to, it's not as easy as, as something like, um, shortcuts or keyboard maestro, because it doesn't have that visual editor. Like it is, it is coding. It is programming. Um, so it's not as easy to pick up as something like that. Um, but that said, I don't think it's impossible. I mean, I mean, I mean, you're not a, a developer, David. I know, and, you, and you've just said that that you've written a couple. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, you're you're pretty switched on. But um, I mean, I, I to give you some sense, I had a little bit of JavaScript knowledge when I started. Um, I'd done a, a course through Free Code Camp, which is 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 a really great resource for learning JavaScript, although it's more aimed towards um, towards learning web development, um, which is is largely uh, JavaScript based. Um, so I had a little bit of JavaScript knowledge from from that and and doing some projects through there. Um, but I hadn't, although I'm studying a Bachelor of Computer Science now, um, I hadn't started that at the time. I hadn't taken any formal kind of um, course um, before when I started writing my OmniFocus plugins, and and that's probably apparent to anyone. Um, who's actually a, a real um, a real developer that looks at any of my uh, code? They probably uh, shudder if they you know pay too close attention. But you know, as long as it sort of works, hopefully that's okay. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, I'd say if you want to do something really complex, yeah, it might be complicated. But really, if you wanted to do something like like what you're describing, David, of 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 uh, you know resetting a, a defer date, it's not it's not really super hard. And I think, um, the other thing about it is that there's such a good community around it. I mean, as, as you say, if you, if you post in the OmniFocus Slack or on their, their forum, usually there's someone around that's, that's able to help you learn or even just able to write the thing for you because it's actually three lines (laughs) of code in the end. Um, so I don't think it's impossible to get started with, but I, I would definitely, um, 
say as as you as you've already said i mean the resources that sal's already put out and that um you know rosemary orchard's got some plugins out there and, I, and i've got a couple up, up on my website as well um tim stringer i think's got a directory at um learn omnifocus as well of, of various plugins so there's there's plenty out there already that you you may just find that if that what you want to do has already been done so um don't recreate the wheel is what I'd say. Yeah, and um, literally you double click it and it's installed. I it's mean, done. anybody yeah. listening to this can install these pre-existing um, um, workflows and, and scripts. That's right. Yeah, you tapped more buttons to play this podcast than you than you will to install an OmniFocus plugin. Yeah. So. <laughs> like for instance, there was one I use because I use OmniFocus and uh, I do use defer dates on some, but not all of my tasks. But I had written very complicated Apple scripts myself years ago to uh, move defer dates. And these were very hacky Apple scripts. And then somebody just wrote a JavaScript plugin that does does all of that, you know, move defer dates, move due dates, make them all today. And then the plugin lets you attach keyboard shortcuts to that. It, it, it removed like a ton of bad Apple script from my system (laughs) um, with one plugin. And, and that's the thing. I mean, and let's get into that. Uh, Caitlin, uh, you have, put several out there. Tell us some of the features you've added OmniFocus with the plugins you've written. It's a bit hard to know where to start because I've gone a little bit over. (laughs) Let's start with task dependency because that's what got you into it to begin with. And that's, that's a really cool one. Um, Yeah. So basically the idea behind that plugin, um, obviously uh, for OmniFocus users, they'll probably already know that um, OmniFocus has pretty good uh, built-in support for uh, managing uh, I guess the sequence that tasks have to be completed in. Um, so you can have sequential projects that you have to complete in order, or you can have parallel projects that you can complete all the tasks at the same time. And then you can nest action groups within those that themselves are sequential or parallel. So you can you can get quite complex in terms of um, the order with which you want to complete tasks. Um, but the limitation that I hit up against um, with that was uh, a lot. a lot of it was when I was studying and I wanted to uh, have, say, uh, dependencies between projects. So, for example, I would have um, all my coursework in one project in OmniFocus, uh, but I would have the assignment as a separate project because I wanted to keep a close eye on it and make sure I didn't miss an assignment that was, you know, buried in a list of 300 bits of coursework. But you can't, obviously, in OmniFocus, uh, as it as it's built, uh, have have that dependency between tasks where you might want to complete up to the week week three of content before you start assignment one because it requires you to know that information to to do it. Um, so that and just more complex, um, uh, I guess, connections between tasks where um, I had very specific orders about where I wanted when I wanted to complete things. I wanted to watch all the lectures in order and I wanted to do all the exercises in order, but I didn't want to do the exercise. Uh, that related to the lectures until I'd watched the lecture. So it became quite difficult to manage with the built-in system. So what I basically built was a plugin that allows you to, again, I trigger it using a keyboard shortcut uh, that says this task is a prerequisite, this task is a dependent, and then it basically applies a tag to the, the dependent task, which is set to on hold. And so until that first task is marked complete, that second task is unavailable basically. Um, and you're that just explanation using, made some sense. <laughs> no, but I mean, and, and kind of the mechanics of this, I mean, is that because you can program tags and then set rules based on tags, um, 
that's kind of the underlying logic of it, which I think anybody can understand, right? You know, you're just applying tags and then using that to show you new tasks. And, uh, but uh, yeah. it, it's really, it's clever and it adds a feature to the application. I think that's exactly what they intended with it. And I think it's really, uh, it's really commendable that you put that together. It, that wasn't an easy automation to write. Like the stuff I do is very basic, but this one has got, you know, contingencies in it. Yeah, it was um, it was a big project, and and it's probably one that that you know I, I mentioned before about uh, it, I'm almost ashamed to have anyone that actually knows what they're doing look at it, and and, and I know it's one that I probably need to go back and look at because it was the very first one I did, and I I know because I've gone back and tried to fix various bugs and things over the time that it's it's not nicely written, <laughs> but it does seem to mostly work. Um, so, um, it, and it, and it sounds quite I don't know that I explained it particularly well, and it sounds quite complex to explain. Uh, verbally but uh it, it's in practice it's quite simple um and if 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 i can I, i'll just do a shout out i did do a um interview with tim stringer over at learn omnifocus as well which has um uh, where i demonstrated that that plugin um and 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 a bunch of others and i think um if anyone is really interested in in watching some of that it's probably a little bit easier to to watch it on a screen and, and see it in action, um, and that's probably the the best place to go to to get a, a bit of a, a little taste of 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 how that works and 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 join us in the the rabbit hole that is uh, on the automation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll put a link into that. The uh, we had Tim on recently too, so we've been mm. we've been hitting that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, wh- what are some of your other, whether you wrote them or not? What are some of your other favorite plugins that you've been using with uh, with the application? I've got uh, a few that I use all the time. Um, some of them are really simple. So, like, I've got some that um, will just open the URL that's in a in a note, um, which I use all the time. Um, and that's not limited to just web URLs. So that will often take me to another OmniFocus perspective or you know, back to a, an email from someone or something like that. I use that all the time. I've just got that attached to a keyboard shortcut. I've got uh, another one that I use all the time is a plugin that I use to defer tags. So tags in OmniFocus, um, unlike projects or tasks, uh, aren't able to be deferred until a certain date. Um, but quite often I find that I've got uh, a series of tasks that are all tagged with the same thing, but I don't have access and, and the the thing that they're tagged with is reflective of some kind of resource that I need to complete the task. So a person or a place I need to be in or a you know piece of equipment that I need to have. Um, but I don't have access to that, whatever, whatever that might be at the time for say, I know I'm not going to have access to it until five o'clock. Um, so I have a plugin that effectively defers that tag until five o'clock, puts it on hold. And then at five o'clock, um, I've got Keyboard Maestro running in the background and it runs a script and, and at five o'clock it goes, oh, it's time to make that tag available again and it, and it does. Um, and I have that, I use that quite often. I also have it set up for some recurring things, so like store opening hours and things like that, which is which is kind of fun. It, it's, it's interesting how, how important Keyboard Maestro is to these types of automations when you get, you know, when you go down the rabbit hole um, because Keyboard Maestro the triggers are so extensive. Like you could say like when I plug in my scanner, then enable the, the perspective that shows me scannable items. And, you know, you can do that through tags. It's just, it's really, uh, I think keyboard maestro is a great piece of this. If you're going to go down. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fundamental and it, it runs so much, so many of the plugins that I have written, it runs in the background. Um, I've also got 
uh, templates plugin, which I probably should give a shout out because it's been quite uh, popular and I know that it's one that um, that Tim's uh, plugged before because <laughs> um, I know he uses it. Um, so that's quite, quite useful. Um, that's certainly driven by similar to other scripts that people before me have, have written. I think Kurt Clifton had written one. Um, that it's largely based on, and I actually got an email from him at one point, yeah. which was really nice. Um, and and it was it was it was complimentary rather than oh my goodness why have you stolen all my work? So that was that was nice. <laughs> and uh, the other one that I use all the time is uh, what I call a scheduling plugin. Um, so again, that's one that that goes back to what you were saying, David, of of using Keyboard Maestro in the background as a as a support. So um, I guess what that does is it it adds what I call a, a due date to, to my tasks. So that's when I actually intend to do the task as opposed to the defer date, which is when I, I am able to start it or the due date, which is when it has to be done by. Um, the it, it, it basically uses a kind of com- complicated system of tags to say, I'm going to do this on Wednesday. Um, and with the new OmniFocus 4, um, it actually, I've just uh, been playing with the option of adding a scheduled notification, which now makes it pop into the the forecast in OmniFocus. Um, so it shows in that kind of day view of what you've got on for the day, which is which has been a really nice because you can sort of see it alongside all of the the due tasks and and things as well. So, I mean, there's plenty more, but that's <laughs> that's probably uh, enough to uh, give you a sense of the kinds of things that I've been uh, playing with. Yeah, and you are actually, for people interested in really de- digging deep on Omni Automation, you are starting a course called Supercharge Omni Focus. Uh, you can find it over at learncaitlinsalski.com. Uh, uh, and Caitlin has this course she's developing, which is all about these plugins, how to build them, how to install them, how to use them. Uh, I'd recommend anybody that wants to to really go into this, check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes for it. Yeah, I will just add a little disclaimer to that, which is to say that um, I had I had I got a little bit overexcited when I when I put that link on my website because I hadn't actually built anything any part of that course yet, and I thought I'll just I'll just set up the page and I'll get it all ready to go. And I, I quietly added the link, and then much to my surprise, people started um, sending me money for it, and um, that was a bit of a shock because I wasn't really prepared. And then um, I had all the intentions in the world of of having it all up, and 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 I'm not. Uh, it's, it's, it's not the production standard I will say is, is not going to be, uh, equivalent to say a Max Sparky field guide. We'll just put that disclaimer out there now, <laughs> but, but my intention was to have a lot of it done in the, the last quarter of last year and, and to, to finish it all off this year. And then, uh, my son started daycare. And so we've had about three months of plague in our house. So that hasn't quite gone to plan, but it is, it is happening. It's happening slowly. Um, you are able to, uh, buy it now. Um, but it's not all there currently. So it'll, it'll be added to gradually. Um, and my, I guess, overriding aim with that is it's not a, it's not a course I'm selling to make money. Um, it's not really a profit making exercise at all. Um, it's really just that I wanted to have an option for people that wanted, I guess, someone to sit through and watch just visually how some of these plugins work. Um, so what I'm aiming to do is is make uh, all of the basic stuff that you actually need to get started, like how to, how to actually install the plugin, which, as you say, is not very complicated. It's really just a matter of double-clicking on the file. Um, but all of that stuff I want to make should be freely available. Um, and it's just if you want to pay a little bit extra um, to help support the costs of, you know, the software to record the things and, 
and the the hosting of the course and all of that sort of stuff, um, then you can get get that extra of of actually running through a whole bunch of plugins. I think I've got about thirty or something that I've I've got set up that I want to go through and and just run through how they work and and how they're designed to work because some of them, you know, in 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 me trying to talk through them here, it's probably quite apparent that they don't necessarily without that visual of <laughs> what, what's actually going on, it can be a bit hard to to convey, I think, sometimes how they work. And and I think sending someone to a, a GitHub repository with with all the technical information as well can be a bit overwhelming. So that mm-hmm. that's all that that's kind of intended to do. But um, it, it will come. <laughs> that's great. And I encourage people to check it out. And I can tell you, I started, I wrote books. That was how I started doing the educational Mac stuff. And uh, I do videos now. People ask me, why don't you write books? Well, because it's so much easier to teach you stuff when you can look over my shoulder. And, right. Uh, mm. You are right on track here. This episode of MPU is made possible by ZocDoc. If you've ever stewed over a health problem you have, you know the temptation to text a pal or even a whole group chat to get your friend's opinions. Chances are, you're extremely unlikely to find qualified medical advice in that group chat. But you can find it from a doctor on ZocDoc. Thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. They listen like a friend and give you the expert care you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost any condition under the sun. Switching doctors is a pain. I did it a few years ago. And I finally found someone who really worked for me, but it took a long time. And with ZocDoc, you can speed up that process and get in to see somebody much sooner. There's no more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book an appointment right in their neighborhood. A doctor who is patient-reviewed, fits their needs, and their schedule. So go to ZocDoc.com slash MPU to download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C, ZocDoc.com slash MPU. Caitlin, uh, we have been talking about OmniFocus, but you actually use other productivity apps too. I thought it'd be fun to go through some of them. Uh, we tipped our hand a little bit in the last segment. Let's talk about Keyboard Maestro. I think you're pretty pretty invested in that app. Yes and no. I mean, I don't. I I, I use it all the time, and I completely rely on it. But uh, in in actually looking at how much I use it for, I don't have a lot of macros in there. They're just really important ones. <laughs> um, so it does a lot of um, OmniFocus stuff in the background for me, um, which I've we, we've talked about at length already. I think. Um, uh, it does a little bit of window management, um, not a lot because I haven't. I just haven't spent the time uh, in 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 refining how I actually want my windows to be set up. Um, I've got some OmniFocus setups specifically, which I I run. Uh, I use Alfred to trigger those, and and I have like six OmniFocus windows at once tiled on my screen. But I haven't really set it up to do much else in terms of window management. But that's that's probably something I'll use it for more in the future. One that I never use until I need it, but when I need it, I'm always grateful for it. And I'm sure I stole it from someone else. Um, is I just have a, a macro that, that speaks to me, that makes my computer talk when the internet comes back online. Um, so every so often when the internet goes down, um, 
instead of sitting there sort of refreshing the page or looking at the um, the status monitor in my menu bar for, you know, an hour until it comes back online. That's an exaggeration. Feels like an hour sometimes though. Um, I just have my computer yell at me across the room. So that that's always a little bit of um, nerdy fun. Um, and then I also have, just having a look through here, um, uh, my partner, as I, I think I mentioned before, is a professional musician and he also does some uh, composition and, and arranging and he uh, has published a bunch of his um, arrangements and things for other other teachers mostly to use um, on, on a website that we set up years and years ago. Um, and so I've got a few macros in there that help me with, with that kind of workflow as well. Um, something that I found, uh, we, we package them, um, usually as zip files, but because they're generated on a Mac, they have all that extra Mac stuff <laughs> in the zip file. Um, so I just have a little macro that, that, uh, zips the files and, and gets rid of that extra bit of you know, the extra, it's like a Mac OS folder or something like that. I can't even mm-hmm. remember now. Um, yeah. It's like I the resource fork stuff. That yeah. All that stuff. Um, so we just um, nuke that basically. Um, and, and, and one as well that will just generate a, a sample page. So we'll, you know, take the the page that's open in preview and, and stick a watermark on it and save it in the folder. So all of that kind of, kind of thing. Um, I don't use it anywhere near to its full potential, I know, but that's that's kind of the um, the the bulk of of what I'm using it for, really. I did use uh, someone again, I think, in the Mac Power Users Forum, or, or maybe maybe it was Automators, um, shared a bunch of um, keyboard maestros uh, macros to help with managing spaces on Mac as well, um, which I was using. Uh, for a little while, I've kind of gotten out of the habit of that just because I'm I'm sitting in front of my Mac less and less um, as I'm chasing a toddler around more and more. I'm finding, <laughs> um, but uh, I was using those uh, a bit as well um, just to manage spaces on my um, on my Mac. Where do you where do you draw the line between keyboard maestro and shortcuts? You know, because that's a question a lot of people have. As shortcuts gets better. Um, you know, how much can they do in shortcuts versus what they do in Keyboard Maestro? I don't really have a, a good rule. And it's I think it's blurrier now too with shortcuts being on the Mac, although I, I must confess um, I haven't, again, spent as much time as I would like with, with shortcuts on the Mac. Um, the couple of times I've tried to, it's been a little bit uh, buggy for me, so I, I haven't really been heartened to continue down that path. I think it more depends if it's something I want to run on my phone, I'll tend to use shortcuts. Um, and if I only want to run it on my phone, it, well, actually it doesn't matter anymore. Um, but, um, if it's something, I think most of, most of the stuff I'm doing with keyboard maestro, to be honest, is, is either something I specifically want to do on my Mac, um, in terms of, you know, moving windows around or something, which I, I think you can do that in shortcuts now too, actually, but it's just not where it started, so that's <laughs> not happened that way. Um, or it's 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 often something that I actually want to happen in the background with regularity. And although in theory I could do that with shortcuts uh, on my phone, and I've certainly tried to set up some OmniFocus um, automations in the background that run on a schedule on my phone, um, I haven't had a lot of success with that. I get a lot of error messages from shortcuts. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good <laughs> distinction. I do think that like time delayed automation is better in Keyboard Maestro and more reliable. Where uh, shortcuts is really good at like putting together 
pre-built actions and running them in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's good yeah. at that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great distinction. Kaylin, do you have a preferred method of, of firing off these, uh, these macros and keyboard maestro? I know David and I are both, uh, affectionate stream deck users. Uh, are you a keyboard shortcut person? How do you go about that? Um, I am a little bit of a keyboard shortcut person. I have a, I have a bit of a, a mix. Um, I mean, as, obviously, as we said, a lot of it runs in the background automatically, but the stuff that doesn't, some of the little little stuff that I use all the time that's more like quality of life um, stuff, like I have one to automatically um, maximize a window and, and for example, that'll in – I keep going back to OmniFocus. I want to stop talking about OmniFocus. But um, if that maximize shortcut, if I'm in OmniFocus, will automatically maximize all the toolbars and – menus and stuff as well. Um, so that kind of thing that I want to be under my fingers, I'll, I'll definitely use a keyboard shortcut. Um, but for stuff that I use less frequently, I tend not to remember the keyboard shortcut and then I forget what it is and then I have to look it up. Um, so if it's something I use really infrequently, sometimes I use the keyboard maestro, um, menu bar, just the list where I can just look at the list and click what I want. Um, and but the other other thing that I I run a couple using um, Alfred as well. Um, so I have Alfred as my um, I guess launcher app. Um, so I hit I think it's Command Space and and that pops up. And I use that for uh, again. It's one I probably don't use to its full capacity, but uh, I use it for finding files, doing various filey things and, um, and, and opening apps and, and, and also for launching, um, particularly setups and, and things like that. I, I try and launch that way. I do also have the, uh, keyboard, I can't remember how I set it up. I'm, I'm sure it's a built-in keyboard maestro action, which just allows you to search for keyboard maestro yeah. Macros yeah, by name. That's an action. Yeah. They, they, that's they an action. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've got that set up. And, and so for anything that I use infrequently that I know is in Keyboard Maestro, but I don't use it often enough to have bothered to set it up in, in Alfred, I have that as an, as an, as a keyboard shortcut that I can access as well. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. It's not uh, terribly consistent, but it sort of depends on what it is and, and what's going to work for me for, for that action, I guess. I know you're also a better touch tool user and that app in particular there's a lot of ways you can use Better Touch Tool. Uh, how are you using Better Touch Tool? Um, I am pretty well limited to using it, and and I know it can do so 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 much more um, than what I'm doing, which seems to be a consistent refrain for today for me. Sorry, um, but I'm basically using it. Um, they recently, oh, I say recently, but it was probably in the last couple of years, um, added the ability to set up the the hyperkey yeah. uh, shortcut. Um, in better touch tool, which I'd, I'd previously experimented with trying to use. Yeah. I think it was carabiner or something that, that you yeah. used to have to use to set that up. And it, it, I never quite committed to the process and I never quite got there, but, um, when they added it to better touch tool, which I already had, um, because it's part of setup, I jumped on that and, and I've been using that. So, so a lot of the, um, keyboard shortcuts that I, that I do have, um, tend to use that, that caps lock, um, hyper key. Um, yeah, so for folks who aren't familiar with that, it's um, it's basically you know there's a keyboard shortcut that a lot of people like. It's Control Option Command Shift, so it's four buttons, and that's never taken by built-in apps. You know, nobody writes a shortcut with four modifiers. Um, and then what people do is they, and I think Brett Terpstra, if he wasn't the person who uh, came up with the term, he was the first person who I heard it from. 
it takes the caps lock and remaps it. So when you press caps lock, instead of locking caps, it press shift control option command. So it's it's one button that gets basically four modifiers, and it's kind of like the holy grail of modifiers because it's not taken by any other apps, and you can use it uh, to do like cool stuff. Like for me, the caps lock plus the M is like the Max Sparky setup key, and I just jump into Max Sparky with it. It's like, I don't know, Caitlin, if you experienced this, but like I have this like thing in my brain where is this is this shortcut or is this automation, is it hyper key worthy? It's like, I only want to give the very best stuff to the hyper key, you know, because the, those are like the easiest to press. Uh, do you do that too? you like, like struggle. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty frugal in doling out keyboard shortcuts a little bit anyway. Um, but, but pretty much if I'm setting up a keyboard shortcut, I'll, I'll, I'll tend to use that. I do have some set up that are just, um, in OmniFocus that have, um, just the option key, and I try and use that for for ones that I can. But pretty well, anything else is, um, yeah, using that that caps lock key because it's it's just easy to remember then. Yeah, and another way around this, if you're listening and you you have too many, is in Keyboard Maestro you can map um, shortcut keys per application. So say if I'm in OmniFocus, Control O does this, but if I'm in Mail, Control O does that, and that's a nice way to get around that limitation, but really the hyper key is where it's at, man. And better touch tools, so I do. I I was just looking the other day. I found I fell down an hour and a half rabbit hole. Better touch tools adding a way to re rebuild your menu bar and put like data in it. And I was I realized that like I lost an hour and a half just fiddling with it. And I'm like, you got to like step out. You got to like step back buddy, <laughs> and just like get back, you know? So yeah, the, the better touch tool is always giving me diversions. Yeah. I think I did. I did also have it. I say I just used it for, um, for the hyper key, but I think I may have also at one point had it set up and I'm not sure whether I still do to, it has some uh, options there to change how the, uh, like the close and the minimize and maximize buttons work. Like mm-hmm. I think I think I might have used it to change. I'll have to go in and have a look. Um, this is the thing. All, all the really useful stuff you use, you forget that you've actually set up until it breaks. Um, but I'm pretty sure that I use that to remap the the full screen button to to not actually go full full screen, but just to maximize, which which I prefer. But there's definitely there's definitely some options in there as well. I mean, there's there's so much that better touch tool can do, and I, I put it on the list because I, I think it, it it deserves to be plugged, <laughs> even though I'm not using it to anywhere near its full capacity. <laughs> yeah, Stephen and I did a whole episode on better touch tool back in April of 2020, and um, you know, it may be time. They've added so much. I well, we'll talk about this, Stephen. Yeah. you know, this app is continuing to excel this is an example of an app where the developer turned it into his his day job and uh, and the users really got a boon as a result mm-hmm. but it's really making it difficult i think it's it's really not fair because there's so many choices now when you want to when you want to do automation or or anything like this that you have to you have to really think about where you want to where you want to put it there's so many choices now which i guess is a nice problem to have yeah yeah, it, there's literally an abundance of riches for Mac automation. And the thing that's happened this year, I, I really, well, I guess we're late 2022 into early 2023 is suddenly they, they've they all learned to talk to each other. 
So mm-hmm. Apple scripts, you know, talk to JavaScripts, talk to Hazel rules, talk to better touch tool, talk to um, shortcuts, talks to keyboard maestro. So it's like you can, as you learn the tools, it's like a carpenter with a bunch of mm. different chisels and whatnot on his belt. You can you can really pick the one that's best for each little thing and just glue them together. It's a great time to automate on the Mac. Um, you also are a bartender user. I am, yeah. And again, it's one that, that sits there and until you turn on your Mac and it hasn't loaded yet, you sort of forget um, <laughs> that you've got it installed. But it just, uh, I mean... Like any good Mac Power user listener, I've I've got uh, what feels like hundreds of of little app icons sitting in my menu bar if I don't do anything about it, and um, it just keeps them all nice and tidy and and restricted to the few that I actually want to see um, on a day to day basis. And and there's there's only so much room across the top of a Mac, and and it helps me to not fill it all up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially on a notebook and, you know, I know you're using the M1 Air, but the current crop of machines, you know, the M2 Air and the the new MacBook Pros have that notch, right? So like your menu bar items slam into the notch and then you don't, you know, what's hiding back there. <laughs> and so Bartender definitely, and there's other apps like it. I think Vanilla is another popular, popular one, but I agree with you, like totally critical on my notebook. Now, in my desk with a big 27 display i don't care like go go wild but if you're a notebook first user and most mac users are by definition like if you're not using bartender or something like it i i, I just don't know what to tell you you got to get on it it's not like it's some of these other apps either that will will take you out you, that will lead you down that uh, rabbit hole that that david just went on with better touch tool either it's uh you know you set it up and you're probably done in 10 minutes configuring it exactly the way you want it um so it's it's low hanging fruit in that respect. It also has a does a better job of remembering the location of menu bar widgets than the native Mac operating system does. But I I have this thing where I cannot convince the Mac operating system to keep my my calendar to the right on my menu bar. It always <laughs> you know slides it over. It's like it's like it doesn't want to hold on to it in the locations <laughs> I want them. Do you guys do you guys experience that? I. I, Actually, we've oh. been researching it, trying to figure a way what's going on here. But lately, it's like oh, I'm just going to scramble these every time you go, so your your brain will no have no idea where to look. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, no, no I don't have that problem. I will, I will. I'd lo- I want to give a shout out to uh, one little menu bar app that I do have. Just looking at my menu bar here, um, which is called Spaceman. Um, so basically, what it does, and 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 it. It's it's one that it's it's just really handy in or, orienting yourself if you're using spaces. So it has basically little squares that represent your screens and shows you which current space you're in for each of your. If you have multiple monitors, it's got two little sets of them. It's kind of hard to explain, um, but it's just a really neat little um, utility if you if you're trying to use spaces and get your head around where you are um, on your Mac. Yeah, I, I solved that problem with uh, background colors, like the, yeah. the wallpaper <laughs> colors, like comms for me is one color and production is another color. And so it's like, I know exactly where I am by the color of the screen, but that, that would work too. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're a bit more organized than me, but mine are a little bit more uh, ad hoc than that. Yeah, or, or, Organized <laughs> is one word for it, but uh, some people will say it's other words. <laughs> we'll stick with organized. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. 
Go to squarespace.com slash MPU and make your next move. Enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. If you want to build a website, Squarespace is the place you go. Looking back, so many of the major moves I've made in my life started with building a Squarespace website. Max Sparky was a Squarespace website. Uh, my, my law practice was. My kids, as they've grown up and done things in the world, they've built Squarespace websites. It's just the place we go to start to make change. And with Squarespace, it's so easy. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage your audience, and sell anything, your products, services, or even the content you create on a Squarespace website. They've just got you covered all the way around. Now, selling products in an online store can be daunting, but not with Squarespace. Whether you sell physical or digital goods, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. And the problem with home-built websites is that they're so ugly, but that's not true. Squarespace has best-in-class templates to customize that you can really make fit your needs. It's as easy as browsing the category of your business to find the perfect starting place, and then you customize it with just a few clicks. And if SEO is intimidating to you, it doesn't need to be. You can use the built-in suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Squarespace has been with me as I built out Max Sparky and as I did my law practice, and it can be with you too. So head over to squarespace.com slash MPU for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code MPU to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use that offer code MPU to get that 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. So, Kaylin, you're a big Mac user, a big iOS user, but you also are a PC user. And you mentioned earlier that you've got a personal phone and a work phone. And a lot of MPU listeners out there are living that exact life, right? They have their, their Apple set up at home. But out in the world, you know, you've got to conform to whatever your employer or school or whatever kind of forces onto your desk. And I'd like to to hear a little bit about that, especially as somebody who is so centered around OmniFocus, uh, you know, what your solutions are. Uh, I don't know that I can can say that I have any solutions at this stage. So I... I I started um, this new job and and the previous job was uh, Windows based as well. But um, the the current job that I started, I think I, I moved here in May uh, of last year. So you'd think I'd have it figured out by now, but I I, I still don't quite. Um, I've been experimenting with all sorts of different things. Um, I was using I was playing around with using Jump Desktop to kind of remote back into my Mac from the office and and use OmniFocus that way. I played around with um, trying to use OmniFocus for the web, but that doesn't have automation. So that, <laughs> for me, as you can imagine, was a bit of a, a non-starter. Um, I've tried uh, just running my OmniFocus database predominantly on my um, just on a. I have I have a separate um, OmniFocus database for work, um, just in a separate uh, user account on my Mac. Um, so I've tried just kind of managing that in, in the evening after I get home when I'm sort of getting ready for the next day and then, and then using my phone to kind of refer to during the day. 
I've tried using kind of like a bullet journal style approach and I haven't really landed on anything yet. And, and, and the other thing that I think we mentioned earlier was that I was, I was looking at potentially maybe just taking the iPad in and trying to, trying to use that, especially now that, um, I think the keyboard support and the, in OmniFocus itself is improving and the, um, you know, the mouse support and stuff is, is pretty good on iPad now as well. Um, so I don't have answers, <laughs> um, but I think I think I'm, I'm getting there. I think the thing I think David Allen in in getting things done when we're talking about OmniFocus specifically, um, he he said some he wrote something about um, the I can't quote it exactly, but it was something about the more mundane tasks being the most complex to handle. Um, so I feel like my sort of personal life does require a more complex OmniFocus setup than my, my work does and, and, and a lot more interaction, um, in how I, I kind of manage it. Um, as far as everything else goes, um, uh, where I'm just using Outlook on the Windows computer at work. Um, I have just mail set up on my, on my work phone, but I try not to work too much from home. I try and have a pretty clear distinction between, uh, work and home where I can, um, so I, I, I'm, I'm playing with a few things. Um, when we were scheduling this, uh, this conversation, uh, David sent me a, a link to, uh, one of the openings in not openings, sorry, the proposals, mm-hmm. um, right. from Fantastical. And I went, Oh, that I might need that. <laughs> um, so I'm, I think I'm in this this new year, um, and we're we're recording this on the 18th of January, and and I've I've managed uh, with a series of plagues that have hit my house, uh, thanks to my toddler starting daycare. I've managed to be in the office for a grand total of about four hours so far this year. So I haven't gotten very far with any of these projects, but um, I think I'm I'm going to be start looking at Fantastical to. Uh, start using some of those proposals and, and openings features. Uh, I don't have an an executive assistant or an admin assistant uh, at work, um, so that's all all my calendar and things I manage myself, which is fine. I don't feel like I need to pay someone to do that. Um, with the volume of of meetings and things that I have, I don't think it's 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 worth doing. But um, anything that can make it easier for me to do, I'll, I'll do. I don't love that backwards and forwards of I'm free this time and this time and this time. And when are those suits you? I can do any time on Thursday. You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I saw that from David for scheduling this, I thought, well, that's going to change. I'm going to have to have to jump to Fantastical. I think I've been using BusyCal um, on the Mac and the iPhone for for quite a long time, just because it comes with setup and it does, you know, ninety nine percent of what I want to do but I, I don't think it quite does that so um I think I'm going to make that make that jump all right let me go back there's a couple things I want to talk about because no I did the same thing I I was in an office using a pc and there was no choice and I did the jump desktop into the mac and I tried a bunch of things for a task management in particular as a, a like you a, a day one omnifocus user um, I found that an iPad in the office was perfect. And this was before OmniFocus is where it is now. This is back in the days where you would email yourself tasks and things. And um, I think you should really try that, especially if that iPad is just collecting dust. I think you may find a lot of uses for it next to your yeah. PC. I think I think that's going to be the answer. I think I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd resisted it because I had at one stage promised the iPad to my 
partner. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and so right. he's going to be his. So, but yeah. he he hasn't really uh, picked up on that. So I, I think I, I'm I'm reclaiming it, and uh, I think that'll be the next. Yeah, the, I can't. Give, I'm not going to give re- uh, advice on relationship politics. That's not. Uh, that's beyond the scope here. But the uh, uh, the other thing you might want to try that you haven't, and I think this would make perfect sense, especially the way you describe your job is to just bottle them in Outlook. Just treat work as a Outlook bottle, and every project you do at work is managed with the Outlook task system, which is not terrible. And mm-hmm. just say OmniFocus is not work, and um, and that might be a good solution for you. I would try those two and see yeah. what works for you. That's sort of what I did in my in my previous job. I kept, I kept trying to make OmniFocus work for my previous job, which was a lot more uh, because it was tax um, and, and, and financial statements and, and things like that. It was a lot more compliance-based and a lot more transaction, not transactional exactly, but a lot more uh, routine. So basically if you had a job in front of you, you knew what the next thing you had to do was. Um, but I think I found in this new job the, the projects are a lot more varied in nature and a lot more a lot bigger. Um, so I don't think that's going to quite quite cut it here. Um, I think the iPad's going to be the answer ultimately, but I, I haven't uh, I haven't settled on that. Just that's yet. kind of fun though to work those work those things out. You know, kind of it figure is, yeah. out what worked. And then, like, if you go down the road of using something like Fantastic Al, that's all the more reason to have the iPad there because they've got a great app on a on the iPad. Yeah, and 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 honestly, a lot of my job probably can be done on an iPad. Really, if I stop and think about it, a lot of it's um, you know, writing reports and, and sending emails and there's, there's, although our accounting system probably I can't run on the, the iPad, I'm probably at a, a level now where I'm not actually the one that's interacting with that system on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, I think, I think there's definitely, uh, possibility there. Um, it just, I need to actually physically get back in the office and, and get, get the time to, to play around with some of this stuff. We also have had people, and I did this as well, is where they just bring a, a Mac laptop and they can put a switch on where they can connect their, their work screen to the Mac or the PC. And then you can sit there and do the work on the Mac that makes sense and you can switch over to the PC. Like if you've got proprietary software or something that's not on your Mac, you can do that on the PC. But do everything else on, on the Mac because with you know Microsoft Office, Google Docs, all these apps are platform agnostic you know, you can actually do quite a bit if you prefer to be on the Mac operating system. And I remember at one point, one of the partners in my firm's like, well, what, you know, why are you doing that? You know, it seems like a, you know, you know, like almost like I was doing something wrong. I'm like, well, right. I work faster on this, you know, yeah. you pay me to, to produce, I produce faster. And then he's like, oh, okay. And then that was the end of it. <laughs> you know? um, so, but yeah, I think you got a lot of options there. Uh, yeah, is definitely. there any is there a Windows software that has impressed you? You know, stuff you're like, hey, I wish we had this on the Mac. Oh, um, <laughs> did you hear that response? I did. I did uh, hear that. <laughs> uh, don't even don't even get me started on the on the accounting the the ERP we use. It's um, I I can't even. Um, I I will. I have been playing around a little bit, and this is probably something for potentially um, if anyone's running a small business or, or maybe even like a nonprofit or something like that, um, and wants to get a really. And this is my accountant brain talking, and he's interested in getting a um, really good uh, grasp on their uh, cash flow. Um, I've been using an app called Castaway, 
and it's it's not super cheap. I think it's uh, I'm trying to remember. I think our license is about a thousand dollars Australian Australian dollars a year. Um, but you know, it's it's a business app, not a, a personal app. Um, but what it does is uh, cash flow forecasting. So it will uh, it's it will let you set up a whole bunch of really complex uh, parameters if you want to um, around your income and expenses and and when they fall due and how long you have to pay your invoices and um, you know when your investments you know pay interest and when you've got to pay all your creditors and things like that and it will um, generate like a three-way forecast so your income and your expenses and your balance sheet and your cash flow um, statements um, it's really quite um, quite an impressive in terms of what it can do I think it's only on Windows although I, I think they mentioned to me they were um, talking about um, moving to a cloud base so potentially something that might be open to Mac users in the future um, although don't quote me on that um, but their support is absolutely um, amazing it's a bit reminiscent of the omni group actually <laughs> um and and they always get back to you with with super detailed helpful responses um which again i could contrast with other uh software that we are currently using um where i've heard of support times i have to giggle a little bit because like the one that you said is recommendable is software to run accounting it's not like it's there, there's no whimsy no, on the yeah. pc still <laughs> no 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 no. it's all it's all it's all uh all work and no fun all business all business but again, <laughs> for folks listening a thousand us a thousand australian dollars is about 700 us dollars so we like to wrap up uh these interview shows with some favorites some apps or services or utilities that we haven't uh gotten to mention quite yet and a listener can't see this but you have a list of about a billion <laughs> things in here, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say let's pick maybe the top uh, top four or five that we haven't haven't mentioned yet. Right, I'm gonna like really rapidly look through this list and then uh, try and pick my top. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'll try and pick some that I know. Uh, there's lots on here. There's there's lots on this list that we've um, probably that I, I know have been mentioned on Mac Power users plenty of times before. So I'll, I'll try and skip those ones. Um, one that, uh, I discovered in the last couple of, probably in the last year, um, and I'm, I'm not totally sure I'm pronouncing it correctly, but the, the app's called Typora or Typora or something like that. And what I've found that really great for is, uh, particularly for uni assignments and things like that. It's basically a markdown editor. It's quite a simple markdown editor, but what it does really well is, um, letting you insert, um, code snippets or, um, or bits of, um, math, um, in, within the doc document, um, which is something that, um, you can do in other ways. Like you, you can do it in a word document, but it's messy or you can go and go like full latex, which is, and I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly either, <laughs> but, but the, um, this just lets you do it in line, um, much more markdown style, sort of presents it nicely visually so you're not looking at a mess of, of just type that doesn't mean anything. Um, so I'd highly recommend that one. I think it, I can't remember how much I paid for it. It was like 10 bucks or something and I'm super cheap and I paid it instantly um, after I did the trial. So if that's something that um, people have a need for, I'd highly recommend it. Um, just looking through my list here. Something that I, I haven't heard people talk about as much as I would have expected potentially, um, and again, one that I've used quite a lot 
in my uh, studies um, and in trying to learn Spanish and various other bits and pieces um, is Anki, which is a flashcard program. Um, I've been a bit uh, negligent <laughs> of my Anki database. They keep sending reminders saying, if you don't use this soon, I'm going to delete the deck. Um, but I still want to plug it because it's um, it's so good, and particularly if anyone's studying and, and they're, they're looking at that kind of thing, the, the kind of spaced repetition is I think it's a really solid way of, of, of learning things. When I have used it in academics, I've done um, – it's worked really well for me and I've got really good um, results when I've, when I've stuck to it. So does their, does their email say, Hey, when you're not getting your computer science degree or your full-time job or being a mom, you need to be here doing <laughs> flashcards, something like that. No, no, it's very polite. It just says, look, we notice you haven't, you haven't, you haven't been on in a while. If you, if you don't re, if, if you want to keep your deck, just log into the website or resync and, and we'll keep it there for you. So it's, it's quite polite. It's not too mean. Um, <laughs> it probably could afford to be a little bit more, give me a bit more of a kick up the butt actually, but uh, no, it's, um, it's, it's so, it's so good if you actually get stuck into it and you're, you're a nerd and you like playing with this sort of thing, like setting up custom cards and, and different, you know, I had mine set up when I was doing Spanish to do like automatic voice to text and things like that. It was, um, Super fun. There's there's one on your list here that we've never talked about on the Mac Power Users, and I wasn't familiar about it. But um, tell us about Flying Logic. So that's a new discovery for me, and I'm not. Um, I, I don't think I've even paid for it yet, to be honest. But I, I've I've got the trial, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. So I guess I'm probably not going to do it justice because I'm not an, an expert in it at all. But it's kind of like a a tool for thinking, I guess, is the the idea of it. Um, and it comes a little bit from uh, the theory of constraints methodology, which again, I'm not really familiar with at all. Um, so I'm, I'm by no means an expert on that, but it, it allows you to, to do a whole bunch of things, um, but to map out problems and, and, and potential projects and and it basically creates uh, a logic diagram in the form of a flowchart. And again, I'm doing a very bad job of explaining this. And I'd recommend you go to the website for a much better explanation. They actually have a a really good um, PDF guide uh, when you sign up for the trial that sort of walks you through the kinds of diagrams that it can create. Um, but I, I actually sat down with it. Um, from a work perspective and just tried to work through some of the, the I guess, the issues that I saw that we were having and and trying to get to um, the first diagram that I was trying to create was was basically exploring what the root causes of the um, problems that I was seeing were. So I was saying, well, we have issues X, Y, Z um, here. What's causing those? What's causing the causes? What's causing the causes? And working backwards and seeing how it all drawing the connections between them and seeing how it was all connected and actually just going through that exercise. Um, I mean, you could do that on paper. You could probably do it in something like um, draw.io, which is a, another really good tool if you want to draw flowcharts and Venn diagrams and stuff like that, which I love to do. Or even Freeform if you want. <laughs> or but free, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, and I haven't played with free, Freeform yet, but yeah, that would be or Omnigraphle or, you know, any of these things. Um, but this just, it takes away any of the um, – it's not super pretty, to be honest, um, but it takes away any of the considerations about layout or spacing or anything like that. And you can just put the ideas in, link the thoughts together, and it moves stuff around. And um, 
yeah, I, I, I think it's really interesting. And I think if you're trying to work through pro- problems or I guess it's kind of project planning light, I guess that an initial stage of, well, this is where we are, this is where we need to get to. So what what are the prerequisites for getting there and what are the steps we actually need to take and what order do they need to happen in? Um, yeah. I, I'm really I'm really interested in it. Decision tree software, like this is like my kryptonite. I could like yeah. get lost <laughs> in this stuff. I, I'm tempted to make one that say, what is the logic tree to Stephen Hackett buying an Apple Silicon Mac Pro when they get released? <laughs> but I would just make it so everything lands on yes. Like, is it raining? No. Then he's going to buy a Mac Pro. <laughs> There's think, no need Steven? for these personal attacks on a show that we host together. My oh, friend. I'm enabling you. This is enabling. Mm. You can you can share it with Mary. Say, look, there's a flow chart. I have no choice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, one that that jumped out at me, uh, and it's one that I like too. I, I don't know if we've if we've mentioned or if we have, we haven't talked about it enough. Is Just Watch, which is this really cool app and service that lets you uh, basically you ask it, hey, where can I watch X, and it tells you, oh, it's on these services, and it's free or it's paid. It's it's awesome. Mm. It's 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 really good because it, it just you know you you pick up all these recommendations from from all over the place of of what to watch, and you know you never get to them straight away, and then and then I, I found now I just dump them in there, and and the the great thing about it is you just tell it what what services you've got access to, and it will tell you which things are available to watch um, to you right now. So it's um you know one day it might all be a bit more unified, but at the moment we've got, you know, content everywhere. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really handy. I really like it. I, I got one more for you. Last one. <laughs> and cause I saw this and I like, what is this app? And, um, I have now downloaded it and I'm waiting for my kids to come back and we're going to play together. Keep talking and nobody explodes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so much fun. Um, so this is a game that I, I downloaded a few years ago now. Um, and how do you explain it? It's basically like um, one one person. It's so it's a, it's a it's a game you play, I guess, in in real life. Um, and one person has control of the computer, or the I think they have it on iPhone now as well. I saw when I was uh, putting the link in here. And the their objective is basically to defuse a bomb, which has got all sorts of complicated knobs and dials and wires mm-hmm. and co- codes you have to crack and all of this kind of stuff again very very nerdy um but the idea is that another group of people uh, have the manual of how to defuse the bomb so they can't see the screen and you can't see the manual and you they you basically it's a communication challenge basically yes. you, in, you print out the manual and then you yeah. give it to them yeah it's, oh, it's, it's so much fun um it, it looks like fun i'm going to be playing this with my family soon yeah mike yeah. hurley and i played it i think on the first podcast-a-thon for saint jude and oh we, you did i think we blew up if i remember correctly <laughs> <laughs> you definitely like do the first time i think um we haven't played it that much because i you've got to you've got to get uh willing participants um that have to be you know about as equally nerdy as you are uh, like my mother in particular was not particularly keen on on the the pressure of of reading the manual and and trying to understand all the instructions and doing it on the spot it is it is a little bit overwhelming um yeah. much like much like the other game that i've got there which is space team which i don't know have you guys played that at all yeah i played that one that's, too. Oh, that's lots yeah. of fun as well yeah yeah well, my family is full of nerds and we are going to be bomb <laughs> diffusing as soon as we can all get in the same room i can't wait 
That's a good one, gang. If you've got like a family, you want to do some fun stuff together. It's a way to use your technology in a fun way. But either way, yeah. And, and not limited to Mac either, I don't think, actually. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to, if you wanted platforms. something fun on Windows, because you can't find any other fun software, that, that, that one will do it for you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. When you're not, you know, getting your, uh, your payable report. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on. You are uh, been such a great guest and uh, so happy to see uh, the stuff you're sharing over at CaitlinSolsky.com. If you are an OmniFocus user, you owe it to yourself to go check out some of her scripts and, and learn more about scripting. If you want to get into supercharging OmniFocus, she's got a course called Supercharge OmniFocus. You can get it right there. And um, congratulations with everything, with the baby, the degree. And uh, I can't wait to see what you make in the future. Thanks very much for having you guys. It's been lots of fun. We want to thank our sponsors today. That's our friends at Text Expander, ZocDoc, and Squarespace. We are the Mac Power users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU, and we'll see you next time.